Tuesday, September 11th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Major Chowman. Good to see you. Howdy. I should point out we're not actually in the studio as we normally are. For our long time, dozens of listeners to Market Foolery, we're actually in a different studio up on the uh, a separate floor here at the Motley Fool, trying out a little video experiment. We'll see how it goes, but let's just plow ahead with the topics today. We've got executives departing from a couple of different companies, and we've got a quick iPhone 5 preview. But let's start with McDonald's. McDonald's same-store sales growth for August came in at 3.7%. That's slightly lower than expectations, which came in at 3.9%. Uh, uh, so, Jason, not a big miss but still a miss. What did you think? Hey, yeah, a little bit of a miss, but I think we've talked about this before. McDonald's has set itself up for a little bit of trouble because of its past successes. And you have to remember that for every successful quarter and for every successful year, that becomes the measuring stick for the following quarter and the following year. And so, yeah, I mean, a little bit of a miss, but all in all, still pretty good. And I think it was pretty interesting to see uh, such a great performance in the Middle East and Africa regions there. Uh, they noted the, the end of Ramadan this year, which Last year, I guess uh, the old Ramadan. Excuse. The Ramadan. We talk about weather and things like that. But with, with the Ramadan uh, explanation, I think actually holds some water there because uh, it, it's very interesting. The the whole month basically of Ramadan, they fast during the day. They don't eat anything until evening. So yeah. when it's over, when they when they break that fast with the Eid al Fitr. Uh, it's something that just, they really, they go back to eating. And so, I mean, I think that the fact that this ended in the middle of August certainly lent itself to better performance for McDonald's in those regions. And you can see that uh, in, in exceptional performance in there. What do you think, Joe? I have no insightful comments on Ramadan <laughs> in terms of the calendar. Overall, they're decent numbers. That nothing to be too excited about other than a McRib or Monopoly campaign can't fix. What about, Jason, you touched on the, uh, the whole notion of the different regions and how they perform. The biggest and therefore the most important region for McDonald's is Europe. 40% of sales come from Europe. If you are a shareholder or a prospective shareholder, how big a concern is that given everything we've talked about in the past with Europe and, and the slowdown there? Well, I think as an investor, if you're an investor in McDonald's, number one, you have to love this company's geographic reach. So regardless of whether it's the Americas or Europe or Middle East or Asia or whatever, uh, you got to love that they have a pretty good reach all the way around the world. But the argument could be made with uh, you know going, ongoing economic concerns in Europe that McDonald's is the value provider. People looking for lower-cost meals and whatnot. So McDonald's certainly stands out as one of the lower-cost options. I think they're going to really play on that. And I think that we probably can expect to see some, some excellent performance in, in the coming months as well. In a minute, I want to close out on the corporate structure, but first, Joe, in terms of the stock, what do you think when you look at this? Because shares are down about 9% year-to-date, um, obviously a great long-term performer, but when you look at it right now, what's the value proposition for the stock? It's okay, not great. It's selling around 17 times earnings, has a lot of exposure to Europe. There are a lot of stocks out there I'm excited about, but it doesn't rank high on the list. Jason, more than 33,000 locations around the world, and about 20% of them are company-owned. And we've talked before about a company like Chipotle, where that's all company-owned. All of the obviously smaller, you know, fewer locations for Chipotle, but they're all company-owned. When you look at sort of company-owned models versus franchise models, which McDonald's is heavily dependent on the franchise model, do you have a general preference? 
Well, I think that the franchise model is definitely a great one to be able to play as long as it's something that makes sense. And what I mean by that is with the Chipotle, for example, I'm not sure how really well that translates uh, to different areas of the world. I mean, we know it, it does great here yep. in the States. Uh, who knows how well it would do in Europe or the Middle East, for example. McDonald's advantage is that they can really play this uh, menu to, to any number of regions. We've seen just recently with uh, going uh, the, the offering the vegetarian options in India, for example. So they can do a lot of different things with that menu. And that's where franchising really comes into play for them, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I don't really have a preference one way or another as long as it's something that's within the company's uh, means. And so as long as that's being the case in McDonald's, I think it's well within their means. I think uh, seeing that franchise model play out makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, and it depends on the economics. Chipotle is just so wildly profitable that it wouldn't make sense for them to yeah. do a franchise. I would love to own a Chipotle franchise, <laughs> right. but they're smart to keep it all in now. Asset management firm Leg Mason announced that CEO Mark Fetting is resigning as of October 1st. He has been CEO since January of 2008. Uh, and Joe, shares of Leg Mason up <coughs> more than 5% this morning. What does that tell you about his tenure as CEO? It's not been a resounding <laughs> success. Uh, the stock is down from about $80 a few years ago. It's a 26 today. It's been a pretty tough go at Leg. Ultimately, they discovered that they weren't as good at risk management as they thought they were, which in fairness you could say about almost all financials. But in this case, Leg just hasn't delivered on risk management or in terms of investing returns. And because of that, they've had a lot of cash outflows. So basically, institutional investors are just finding other people to run money for them. Probably maybe a little overdue, but a nice step for them. Yeah, Jason, to that point, I mean, obviously 2008 was a bad year for financials across the board, but when you look over the last one, two, five years, Leg Mason stock has not come close to beating the market. Um, we were talking before the taping today, uh, Mike Mobison, who is the chief investment officer at Leg Mason, he's someone we've had come to the Motley Fool because they're located just up in Baltimore, so not too far away. Um, when you look at this company, when you think about the talent that they have in-house led by someone like Mobison, what do you think when you look at this company? Yeah, to me, I mean, the, the money managers in general have had a lot of trouble here with not only outflows, but really, I think, uh, just profitability in general. And what I mean by that is Federated uh, Investors is another one where we've seen a lot of fee waivers. Uh, they've been extending to their clients in order to keep those funds in-house to prevent those outflows. And those fee waivers, while they help keep that money in, uh, certainly ding profitability, at least in the short term. And so whether it's Federated or, or bigger players like Leg Mason, they're, they're all, I think, witnessing this. And there's not much they can really do about it. Mobison, to me, is, is an excellent uh, an excellent man for the job there as far as sort of the, the strategy goes for investment. I, I, I think that you know one of the things that he spoke with to an, an interview he had here recently with, with Tom Gardner, uh, he was talking about really uh, looking at a multidisciplinary approach in, in investing. In other words, he, he sort of looks at that Munger and Buffett sort of take everything into account, whether it's economics or mathematics or physics or whatever, the more you learn, the better investor you can be. And so certainly having someone like Mobison on your team, I think, I think helps their cause. But there are, there are macro uh, factors in play here that even they can't control. They're just going to have to kind of figure, uh, figure out a way to play through. Yeah, and another challenge here is about two-thirds of assets under management are the fixed income side. Like when we think leg, we definitely think equities because mm -hmm. that's what they've been famous for. But when it's all fixed income like that, one, like Jason's saying, it's hurting returns right now, or at least profitability. But two, when the bond bubble eventually deflates, if not bursts, you're going to see money slosh out of fixed income into equities, which is probably going to hurt someone like Leg, who's got a pretty large fixed income business. 
Clearly, uh, just to wrap up on Leg Mason stock, clearly when you look at what's happening in the market today, there are people who look at uh, this guy leaving as the opportunity to buy. We talked about the shares being bid up this morning. Um, what do you think, Joe, when you look at this, is, is this a stock like it's got enough assets, it's got enough going for it that with the right leadership, this is a good time to buy? Maybe, <laughs> uh, at best. I mean, I think there are a lot of good values in financials. I still think Goldman's cheap, mm. which, by the way, it's done very well recently. <coughs> just to shamelessly tout that. Uh, and I think J.P. Morgan's still cheap. So there are a lot of big names out there that have great valuations and long track records that are operating, other than the occasional multi-billion dollar blow-up trade, sure. at pretty high levels. Uh, Mark Fetting, not the only executive uh, leaving his company. Jeff Karp is the Chief Marketing and Revenue Officer at Zynga, and he has resigned effective immediately. The company has not named a replacement. Uh, Jason, apparently there are problems down at Farmville because uh, over the last couple of months, we've seen other executives, including the Chief Operating Officer, leave the company. What do you think when you, when you watch what's happening over at Zynga? It is a mass exodus of talent over there at Zynga, and I really wonder where it's going to end. I mean, at some point or another, it has to end. I think, uh, you know, for everybody that leaves, at least we know that that's one less person that we'll see leaving in the future, I assume, at least. Um, I, you know, I recently posed on my Twitter feed uh, just to, to get a feel between Zynga and a company like Groupon. If, if you were to go out there and buy, you had to buy one or the other. Which one would you buy? Right. They would be Groupon or Zynga. And, and overwhelmingly, everybody, everybody chose Zynga. And it's because at the end of the day, Zynga still brings to the table a product. They have something that they're uh, you know, responsible for producing, whether it's Farmville or Worlds of Friends or whatever they're, whatever they're making. So we know that the movement to, to mobile gaming and social gaming is real. And I think it's just really a matter of working out the kinks in this company because certainly the lifespan of these games is very quick. So it requires a lot of creative thinking, and maybe this is just you know, a little bit more than a lot of these folks could handle. I'm not sure. Um, I'm still not a big fan of the, the market in general. Definitely have a lot to work on here. They get a lot of talent leaving. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not efficient. Joe, when you look at Zynga's shares down about 70% year to date, we talk about value stocks. We talk about dirty value. Is this dirty value or is this a stock that you just look at as being untouchable? I'd say in the untouchable camp. I mean, everything's a buy at the right price, but the problem with Zynga is that there are no real barriers. $2.75 a share, that's not the right price? It's less than what it would probably cost me to buy a goat on the farm bill. <laughs> hey, if you reverse split Maybe it, it'd be $5.40. There you so go. five kid goats. Uh, <laughs> in this case, I just think there are no barriers to entry, and I think that ultimately they're so reliant on Facebook that one, you know, if Facebook ever stumbles and Zynga is going to get killed as a result because it drives all their revenue, but two, Facebook is eager to diversify off of Zynga. They don't want Zynga making all of their money off of their platform. So they're trying to get other gaming platforms on there, lots of new games. And Facebook's going to experiment with their own, too. All right, just to wrap up this edition of Market Foolery, on Wednesday afternoon, Apple has their iPhone 5 event. We are going to be dedicating a lot, if not all, of tomorrow's Market Foolery to dissecting everything that happened at the event. But give me a, a little preview. What's one thing that you are looking forward to, one thing you're watching, one thing you want to hear t Tim Cook say, or you know, one new feature with the iPhone 5? Jason, I'll start with you. I'd love to see Farmville 2 preloaded on it. No. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding, actually. You know, truthfully, I, I, so I have an iPhone 4, and, and when I went in to get my iPhone, it was between the 4 and the 4S, and I just didn't see enough differentiate, uh, 
differentiation between the 4 and the 4S to, to get the 4S, to pay more for it. And so I'm kind of coming to my uh, wit's end here with this replacement cycle. So I'm looking for something really different. And, and I, I don't know that they're going to really be able to put it up there. Whether it's the screen size or whether it's thinner. I mean, we're moving over to this LTE platform. Those are all fine and dandy, but at the end of the day, it's still a cell phone. It's a phone, man. And I'm not trying to live my life on it. I have an iPad. I like that bigger uh, interface there. So I, I, I still need to see something that really sways me. So you're looking for a wow factor above and beyond. The screen is a little bigger. The battery lasts a little longer. The, the, it'll, be, it'll be on LTE. Right, and I mean, it, but a lot of phones have been for a while. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, I just, I know that they say that the access to those faster networks helps dictate your behavior, um, and I agree with that to a, to an extent. But still, when I look at an iPhone versus an iPad, for example, I'd rather be on that larger device. So I just, I, I still am not being wowed by these replacements yet. Joe, what about you? One thing you're watching for the event tomorrow? <clears throat> I'll be curious if they can roll something out that people don't already know about, yeah. because Apple's now so widely followed, not just the company but its suppliers. There's so much ri money riding on the stock that it's really going to be progressively more difficult for them to surprise us. You know, that Steve Jobs, one more thing, yep. that's going to be really tough to pull off. So if tomorrow you see that it's basically exactly what everyone had come to expect, that's probably going to show that they don't have as tight a grip on secrecy as they used to, which is not a good thing. But if they're able to kind of pull something out of the hat, I would be pretty impressed. All right, Joe Mager, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Creer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.